Welcome in to another special edition of the Left Turn, special edition number two of hello. the weekend. Jacob Blair, Trevor Mater. I always get that special hello from Trevor. Yeah, and um, a really special show tonight. Uh, again, recording from the confines of Jacob's dining room, and I'm nervous because this podcast is being recorded in front of a live studio audience of your dad and two dogs. So really got to bring our A-game tonight. Yeah, we're, we're getting things done in Kansas Speedway. Season's winding down. This racetrack has become a, a racetrack where you get a lot of wild situations. <laughs> I think not, today's... Not very many calm races, and today was was no different. Is is thing after thing after storyline. Uh, not only once the checkered flag flew afterwards as well, uh, it, it was it was a fun one to be a part of. This race had just about everything. Um, it's funny. I remember thinking when we were up in the press box for the first portion of the race, and I think about seventy-five laps in, you looked to me and you said, "This has been a really entertaining race," and we're like, "Yeah," but it's really been dominated by two guys. One of these two guys is going to win. And then, I mean, the first half of the race was entertaining. The second half of the race got drunk. I mean, it was it was all over the place. There was so many things going on. If you weren't entertained by that race, you're not going to be entertained by any other race you'll ever see. And it was a race where the entertainment was was pure, per se. It was everything that happened was because the drivers made it happen, and they put on one heck of a show. And, and that was the thing I saw is that's the fun thing about being at the track and why I think everyone, if you can't get to the racetrack, because this was a race where the TV cameras could not catch everything. There were battles up front. There were battles for third or fourth. There were you get to the end of this race. There were six cars, six laps down, all battling. There for was 25th. a tremendous battle for twenty fifth between the likes of Austin Cindric, Chad Fincham, Stephen Like, Tyler M- Matthews, and Josh Balicki. Who I think that's the first time that all of those guys except Cindric have been mentioned on this podcast. Um, but a great battle. There were great battles all around. There we're not were, we're not making that up though either. We, there was one point during the race where. We were watching up front, and I'm like, these guys are trying to wreck back here for and 26. Then, and then it was, oh, no, those guys are trying to wreck up front. Oh, hey, look, there's um, – it was – that race was so all over the place. It was incredibly entertaining. It was everything you could ask for, you know, being on the ground and getting to experience. Couldn't ask for a, a better race, in my opinion. And like you said, it started with – you had the big three, Cole Custer, Christopher Bell, and Tyler Reddick. We thought one of those three would walk away with the win. All three tried – that was not the case in this one, is all three run into issues during the, the course of this race. You said Christopher Bell, Cole Custer dominate portions of this event. Bell gets stage one, Custer gets stage two, stage three. Bell goes to a first-time winner. Yeah, Brandon Jones, the 21-year-old Atlanta native, um, 134 starts, finally gets that first win, and uh, he was pretty excited he's been a guy that's kind of got a bad rap this year he's tore a lot of equipment up was eliminated from around to 12 but he's no longer winless and he will always be referred to as an xfinity series winner and here's what he had to say about getting that first career win yeah man we've uh, i've been a winner in a lot of different series um even outside of nascar through nascar um, this is this is the biggest one I've ever had, man. This is uh, this is huge, um, and I think it even makes it better that um, we struggled so much to get to this point. Uh, we've had a lot of just junk luck, really, that's uh, put us out of a lot of these races. 
Um, but I've believed in this team um, since the start of this. Um, I always do, and uh, it paid off today. So uh, this is this is big. We're going to enjoy this for a long time, and uh, I know the first one's the toughest. So hopefully that's a good sign, and there's going to be more to come. Brandon Jones, again, a first-time winner in the NASCAR Xfinity Series on Saturday, the Kansas Lottery 300. Jones wins just 10 laps, leads just 10 laps in, in route to this victory. It's <laughs> We're going to go back, and I think first talk about Jones. He A season filled with bad luck, a season where for me he's had speed to win races before this it's just things keep happening whether it's on track mistakes it's mistakes in the pit area it's things none of this team's doing he struggled to to put races together kind of reverses that here at kansas where he he had a fast race car qualifies on the front row then for most of the race he's he's running well he's inside the top 10 but he's not really a factor up front and then late in the race he starts creeping forward, takes advantage of some things, and ends up a first-time winner. Yeah, if there's been bad luck this year, Brandon Jones has found it. Um, You just go back and you look at his finishes since Iowa. So the last 12 races, 33rd, 17th, 10th, 11th, 16th, 7th, 6th, 3rd. Okay, not bad. 11th, 16th, 37th, then a win. They've just been inconsistent. Obviously, a Joe Gibbs Xfinity car, you're going to have speed. You're going to be able to get up there and contend for wins. I think this is a big win for him because it shows, hey, I can finally go out there and win a race. Um, even though he wasn't the dominant car, um, some people might say he lucked into it. I don't know that I'd say he lucked into it. He was in the right place at the right time. Um, he ran a clean race, which is not something many people could say today. I think the biggest thing in terms of that luck argument is this didn't happen on the last lap. where, And it wasn't like it was a rain-shortened race. or He, he took the lead and then had to go. Defend off several drivers, had to go through another restart, got a really good restart, and was able to clear going into turn one. And he was able to clear Tyler Reddick on that restart. And that, that was the key. Some of those the issues that we'll get to here as we go through this race, because I think we'll have to go back to the start really to dissect how this one went down. But he was able to clear Reddick. If, if you go back to those other incidents, it was when drivers weren't able to clear going into one where the problems occurred. He was able to clear Reddick, and that gave him clean air and was able to drive away while Reddick had to deal with, with, with the rest of the restart behind him, and that was enough. To, that he put together 10 laps. He needed to put together 10 laps once once he got the lead, and they were 10 good ones at that. Yeah, he did what he had to do. Props to him, and um, like he said, it's his first win, and who knows, it might not be his last. This has got to be a, a big confidence booster for him. And we'll now go back, and we'll, we'll kind of just dissect this race, go through it, Christopher Bell gets out front on lap number one, leads all of stage number one. One caution in stage one early for Ryan Ryan Truex is he had a mechanical failure on that race car, so a tough break for him as he was trying to himself prove that, that he belonged in this series, try to get, get something in the works for next year. Not able to do that today. He gets credited with that 38th place finish. The rest of stage one goes green. And it was all Christopher Bell. Yeah, he dominated that stage. Um, like I said, led every single lap of it, collected some crucial playoff points. Not that he really needed any more to be super comfortable, but did what he had to do. Ends up getting more points. And uh, he had a, a pretty good day, or at least a, a good two-thirds of the day, I guess, at Kansas. And you then get to stage two. The, the first part of stage two kind of goes back and forth with Bell and Custer. 
then Custer is able to, to finally challenge Bell enough, get out front, and then two-thirds of stage two is dominated by the double zero. Yeah, it just seemed like Bell's car kind of came back to life a little bit more in stage two. It didn't have the, the speed that it did before. Um, and we had the chance to talk to Christopher Bell uh, kind of about his day leading up to Kansas, and um, here's what he had to say. We had a really, 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 really fast car. We were pretty competitive. Seemed like we were just a little, just that much off there at moments to uh, to get to where I needed to be to lead the race. And even whenever I was leading at the first stage, I was just this much off. And I mean, I can't really comment on, on what happened because I haven't seen it yet. That was Christopher Bell on his day. Also talked about, or really didn't talk about an, an incident involving Garrett Smith and Chase Briscoe. We'll get to that incident. That's a big talking point in this race. Kind of got to get to what led up to that. Yeah, that wasn't the only thing that happened. It is, is you had to get there first. You, you start with stage three. So you, you get to stage three now. It's two drivers, Cole Custer, Christopher Bell. They've been dominant, and they go right back at, at it with each other in that third stage before Cole Custer got out front. Seemed as though... The race was going to go green for a long time. It almost had to feel like it could go all the way to the end. As you resume the race about lap 96, it wasn't until lap 145, a caution came out. Custer leading at that point. The caution was for Michael Annette. And this is where... Then stuff got weird. Stuff got weird. Kansas, and I put it like this, Kansas got angry. It had been a calm race. It had been a good one. There was a lot of good racing, but it had been it had been calm. There was a little bit of contact here and there, and then Kansas got mad, and it decided to, to kind of do what we've seen in the past and throw a lot of craziness at these drivers, and it started with Michael Annette in the wall at 145. Yeah, and, I mean, he rebounded, rebounded pretty well and had a, a, a great finish as well, I think, fourth. He finished fourth, and that's going to be a trend in this race. There's a lot of <laughs> moments where, oh, that driver kind of pushed him to the side. Maybe, maybe they can get back to a top 10 at that point, and that's one of them. Again, he finishes in the fourth position. You get that restart. The lap, right after lap 150, you got 50 laps to go. Custer, who, who looks like at this point he, he's got the fastest car. He's going to run away with the race. He gets loose on that restart off turn two, and then Chase Briscoe gets to the lead He's able to hold that hold that lead. Custer falls outside the top ten. So now you're you're questioning Custer's chances to win. You get a, a lap one sixty three caution for a John Hernanima check spin. Briscoe goes back out front on lap one sixty eight, and now we we get stuff got really weird. Stuff gets really weird. Stuff gets crazy. Chase Briscoe, Christopher Bell, your top two. Bell running all over the racetrack, trying to, to make a move on Briscoe, getting close. He was right on his back bumper, working the bottom, working the middle. When he finally gets a, a good, solid run, gets to the bottom, I think a couple lap cars up ahead, and this is where off of turn number four on lap 184, Garrett Smithley, we, we, we've had it, and we'll, we'll talk about this a little bit as well, but... Smithley, we've had incidents with him in the Cup Series as a lap car. This time, comes from the bottom up to the top. Briscoe Bell involved with Smithley in an incident off turn four. And 
right before that, they had been working their way around another lap car. I can't remember who it was. And they both did a really good job maneuvering around them. And they were, it was really kind of entertaining watching them go through lap traffic. And, um, and I know your dad said he could kind of see that wreck happening with Smithley and, and Briscoe and Bell from 100 yards away. Uh, Smithley came into the corner high, came down low. It looked, when you watch the replays, it looked like Smithley had no idea where they were there. He was running a normal racing line as if you're completely by yourself on the racetrack. The only thing is he wasn't. Chase Briscoe, the leader, Christopher Bell, they were coming, and Smithley simply had no idea where they lost the notion and awareness of where drivers were on the racetrack. Not sure what happened, and Garrett was able to give us a little bit on what his perspective of the incident was. Stuff. David Starr was back there. I was just riding. I mean, we're on like you know 70 lap tires, just riding, just not even pushing it hard. So um, I hate it. I don't know. I don't even know who got tagged. Um, I hate it. Um, big mistake, but move on from it. Garrett Smithley's perspective on the incident that took place on the racetrack. Before we talk about our views of it. We also have to hear Chase Briscoe's side of the story, the leader at this time of the incident, as he talked a little bit about what he saw out of his windshield. You know, I, I totally understand the lap cars are obviously off the pace, so that makes it tough for them. And you know, at this place, the, the fast guys are obviously running the top, and there's a lot of guys that would run the top in front of you, and it's frustrating. You know, I feel like the regular season race, yeah, it's still a big deal, not near as big of a deal, but you know, we're literally racing for our lives, trying to lock into a championship and. You know, I don't know. I felt like I haven't seen a replay, so it's hard to say. I know I got tagged in the left rear by Bell, but at the same time, I felt like the zero is probably going to put me in the fence regardless. Um, just uh, I felt like these last three races now, we've been the car to beat, the Roval, Dover, and now here, and all three have slipped away and the stuff that's been out of our control. So I don't know. Go. It's encouraging that we at least finish third, but we should be locked in homestead and said we're two points back. That was Chase Briscoe on his perspective, his side of the story of that incident. It was one of those where, again, I go back to the one with Kyle Busch on the Cup Series side. We talked about that, you and I, for a while. That one, for us, at least, was on Kyle Busch. Smithley was running his line. This incident here, not the case. For me, I don't know if there was miscommunication with, with the spotter, with, with Smithley's spotter and him. If if Smithley just had a lapse of concentration or what ended up happening here. But for me, there's no excuse for you. You're coming down to the wire, two drivers trying to find their place in the championship for, it's one thing if you're trying to stay on the lead lap, you're of pace, but you have a situation here where Smithley's not and just comes from the bottom of the track to the top and, and takes out the leaders. From what Smithley said in his um, media availability from the infield care center was that his spotter said that he had he was talking to him. Smithley said he, he couldn't hear him, um, and that could have been a miscommunication thing. But you look at it, um, he just came up the track, and a lot, maybe some of that could have been on on used tires, but uh, just no awareness for the where the leader was, and um, unfortunately, it, it damaged or you know junked a, a race car for. JD Motorsports, a very underfunded team that probably doesn't have a lot of extra race cars to, to junk and took out two championship contenders in the process. So I'm sure nobody feels worse about it than Garrett Smithley. Um, just an unfortunate event that, 
you know, as unfortunate as it might have been or was, it's made the race even more exciting. And the, the good thing for both of the, the I guess the, the silver lining, the one bright spot is, is neither Bell or Briscoe were taken out of this race. They still had an opportunity to, to, to Briscoe fight Briscoe still finished third. Score some points. Bell finished 12th. So that was the good thing is it didn't take them out entirely. It wasn't like they ended up on records. They were able to continue. But it was another – we talked about that trend. Bell wasn't a factor moving forward, but Briscoe at that point – he still had the lead, and that there's that aspect aspect to it as well. He had the lead, lost the bumper cover, that bumper panel on the back of his race car. That's a required panel by NASCAR, so we had to, to come down. And I think the rule is that because it is a required panel, that it is allowed to be replaced. Uh, it's not part of that damaged vehicle policy where you can't be adding fenders or something like that. But because it, it's required to be on the racetrack – he was allowed to put a new one on, gets back on the racetrack, and at the end of the race had an opportunity to go up there and, and win at the end in terms of the race for Briscoe. Yeah, I mean, he salvaged a, a pretty good points day for him. I know, obviously, as he alluded to, not what he, what he wanted. He had a chance to maybe quench his ticket to Homestead, a track that he's won at in the truck series before, but good news for him is he's not out of it yet. And as we can continue on with this race, you, you, Briscoe comes down, Pitt Road's got to get that bumper cover replaced. Cole Custer, remember we, we mentioned he gave up the lead on yeah, that guy. 51? Well, he, he's now back as the leader. Tyler Reddick's running second on the restart, and that's where some more interesting stuff happened here. And Custer, Reddick, they make contact off of turn number two. Custer into the wall. Reddick slows, and this is where Brandon Jones makes his move to, to get by those two and get out front. Yeah, Jones takes advantage of the opportunity and cruises on to the win. Meanwhile, Cole Custer and Tyler Reddick end up coming up short of the victory. And then um, I can't even really say they had words. There were no words. Yeah, it, was it just didn't a, really look like. It was a immediate. It wasn't even really you know fisty cuffs. It was immediate just grabbing each other, shoving each other, and, and ending. I think both ended up on the ground at one point as well. And, um, you know, we had the opportunity to meet both these guys yesterday um, in one of the breakout sessions. Either one of them are very big guys. I mean, they're smaller than we are. Look at them on TV, and they look a, a heck of a lot bigger out there fighting. I think all we know at this point is Cole Custer is 2-0 in, yeah. in, his, in his bouts. I don't know that he's won, but he hasn't lost. I, I, Tyler Reddick had a mean cut above his eye, and, and I give I gave Custer the win in the in the John Hunter Nemechek incident. Yeah, I mean he also ran up behind him and tackled him, so it wasn't like he saw it but, coming. But the effort he put in to do that, yeah, to, to me that, that he ran further win. than I would have. So to me, he's two and zero. Oh. Yeah, I mean, so simply put, I, I think it Custer is making it known don't don't mess with him. Yeah, no, I I totally agree, and um. Uh, obviously, anytime you have a fight like this, crews get involved. Um, and uh, there was kind of, I didn't see the fight. I was working my way back from the media or the medical care center after talking to Smithley, trying to make my way down to the media bullpen. And all of a sudden, I hear, oh, there's a fight going on. Um, so I had no idea what even happened. And then we got a chance to talk to Tyler Reddick. And here's just kind of. His side of the fight or his story on the fight, uh, unfortunately, we didn't get to hear Cole Custer's side. 
But here's Tyler Reddick's story on what happened in the fight in Kansas. Uh, it started with him with a hand on me. Um, that's just, you know, that's how it started. If he's going to put a hand on me, I'm going to gladly put two right back on him as well. So I have no problem talking. Um, but before really words were even exchanged, there was hands put on people. And I'm not going to just sit there and let him grab a hold of me without me grabbing a hold of him back. That's the way it is. Till I mean, that was Tyler Reddick on the after-race incident with Cole Custer, and we weren't able to, to get Cole's side of the story, although, as we mentioned, I think he won his side. Regardless of what so, side that is, he, he got the win in terms of, of the, the, the bout. I've actually you know, had a chance now to, to look at what happened, um, you know, and Reddick kind of said that Custer put his hand on him and – you know, Reddick, as soon as you put your hand on me, I'm going to put two hands on you. That's, to me, kind of exactly what it looks like happened. Custer went to to grab Reddick's fire suit. Reddick didn't like it. Um, all of a sudden, a bunch of crew members got involved. Um, there were some expletives and stuff being thrown around, as you would expect. And um, Tyler Reddick ended up with a nice cut uh, above his eye. I think this, again, just goes to show that this was for a spot in a championship four. This is the first race of the round of eight for the Xfinity Series. They don't race at Martinsville, so you just have Texas and Phoenix left. And you, you have those two races. You, you have someone that wins. You're in the championship four. You don't have to worry about those two races. Instead, these two get together. Brandon Jones gets out front. You have a, an incident where another playoff driver in Noah Gragson, he had an incident at the same time that Joey Gase did. So another caution came out, and then that final restart with Brandon Jones to get the win. But Jones, he steals a win away from one of these playoff drivers. So now there, there's only a possibility that two can clinch their way into the championship four on, on wins, two now in on points. And that made where all the, these drivers, and especially one driver we haven't talked about yet, Austin Sindrick, had a really bad day. Yeah, anything that could go wrong for Austin Sindrick did. He reported, I think it was a vibration early on, he pitted. Um, then he came back down later on, if I remember correctly, also had an incident with Harrison Burton on the create a ton of damage. He just had a terrible, no good, very bad day. And a lot of points down now for him, but I think it helps when now there's those two points positions. So you have a little bit more room to work with points wise, because I don't think he's entirely out, but you get to the end of this race, again, Brandon Jones with the win. Tyler Reddick finishes second. Chase Briscoe third. Michael Annette, again, we mentioned him getting that big fourth-place finish to help his playoff hopes. Then Justin Allgaier rounded out the top five. He had such a quiet day that it was great. Well, Justin Allgaier was the only one that yeah. I don't think had any issues. I think the worst thing that, that happened to Allgaier is he got a little bit loose a couple times off turn number four, and he had a loose race car. He was able to talk about he was good on the bottom, but when the groove went to the top, kind of struggled a little bit. So here's all guy on on his day. Advantage to Texas is it's the exact opposite of coming here to Kansas. Um, you know, it's 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 right around the bottom. You know, and that's where we were really good today. We we for whatever reason we were really good on the bottom. Uh, we struggled when the when the, the lane moved up to the top, and and I feel like uh, you know that's part of what hopefully will help us when we get to Texas is having that speed on the bottom and being able to run down there. But you know it, these races are so difficult, and you got so many cars that are capable of running out front and winning races that uh, you know just you got to be on your A game, and today we weren't. 
both all guy are on his day. Also looked a little bit forward to Texas and, and talked about the differences between Texas and Kansas. And Kansas is one of those racetracks, multiple groove. It really worked up to the high side. And you had runs where everyone was up at the high side. And with all the craziness as well, some on the back side of the top 10, you had some, some names with good runs. Jeremy Clements, he finished in the sixth position. Justin Haley, seventh. John Hunter Nemechek, he finished eighth. Ryan Sieg, ninth. And then Ross Chastain, he finished in the tenth position. Chastain had a, had a faster car than tenth, but struggled with a loose race car for, for a lot of this race. Gotten in the wall a couple times. Yeah, he almost wrecked like three times. I mean, there was one time he came out on the front stretch dirt tracking that thing. I mean, completely sideways. That's a wreck. And somehow it wasn't. And he kept it going and was able to, to finish 10th. And so, again, I think the other thing with Ross is you talk about this team. They, they dealt with a hauler incident earlier in the week, had to scramble to get, get a number 10 race car to the track. That wasn't the initial car they had planned. It rolled off the hauler late because it wasn't able to get to the track at the same time as everyone else and immediately had some speed it was fast all day but again loose race car and he talked about that a little bit still have a, a little bit farther we to go um it's just hard for me to race when i get out there around other cars so uh, like it is for everybody but we i feel like we're at a little bit more of a disadvantage so um, get that cleaned up and uh we're gonna be really really good come next year Ross Chastain on, on his day and dealing with a loose race car. Also, I will talk to him a little bit about having those last couple runs with this 10 car this year. will be in that car full-time next season. So you want to get some good runs with them as you, you head to 2020. Yeah, and he's shown speed on mile and a half in that car. And then he also did when he was in Ganassi last year. Um, picked up his first career win at Las Vegas. So Keep an eye on him, and I think he's going to continue to be a threat in 2019 and then obviously 2020. And with the day's events, again, Brandon Jones, the winner of Saturday's Kansas Lottery 300 for the NASCAR Xfinity Series. In terms of the playoffs, that means no driver locks themselves into the championship four. So two drivers, at least two drivers, will get in on points. And this is how they stand after... The first race of the round of eight at Kansas. Christopher Bell, he is 49 points to the good. Cole Custer, 38. Tyler Reddick, 37. Justin Allgaier, he is plus two. Chase Briscoe, two behind Allgaier for that cut line. Annette, he's 12 back. Gregson is 17 back. And then Austin Cindric with that bad day. No stage points. A 25th place finish. He is down 30 points. And he, he came into the good. He was sitting coming in so uh he ran well at texas last year he he's i don't want to say he's in a must win but he's in a pretty dire situation for these next two races and i think the good thing for a lot of these drivers is you look back on how crazy this race was it could have been a lot worse for a lot of these guys bell still 49 points to the good after getting involved in an incident chase briscoe only two back as he was able to get back for that third place finish custer after the incident with reddick that, that led to the fight on pit road custer still 38 points to the good so although you weren't able to lock yourself into the championship four especially for bell custer and reddick you didn't lose that buffer you came into this race with yeah and custer talked yesterday about how important that buffer was and didn't really lose anything so i, I think if i mean obviously he wasn't happy about some things this weekend um but 
maybe he, he leaves a little satisfied knowing that it could have been a heck of a lot worse than it was. The Xfinity race was wild. It was unpredictable. You By the end of the race, you didn't know what was going to happen next. But you look at what happened in cup qualifying today, maybe it shouldn't have been a surprise. Yeah. Because your cup series front row is drum roll, make a sound effect, is Daniel Hemrick and David Reagan. That is that is the front row for the Hollywood Casino 400 on Sunday. Yeah, you could definitely tell the difference between race trims and qualifying trims. We'll get more to that in a little bit, but I mean, good for Daniel Hemrick. He's shown some some qualifying speed a mile and a half this year. I think it was Vegas earlier this year that Austin Dillon won the pole. Hemrick started second. Um, he was fastest in first practice yesterday, so it's not like he hasn't shown that he's got – or he's fastest in final practice yesterday. It's not like he hasn't had speed. Um, it's just it's not someone that maybe you would have pegged to win the poll. And then David Reagan, second place, I don't I don't know where that came well, from. Michael McDowell qualified in the, the sixth position. So Matt lot, Tiff was 17. A lot of speed with that team this weekend, and we'll see how some of the speed transfers to the race. But, again, Daniel Hemrick wins the poll – See how he, like you say, he's had fast qualifying cars this season, but hasn't put those together for good races. And some of that's that qualifying to, to race trim. But Daniel Hemrick won the poll, and he talked about it a little bit. The good qualifying side of things, had a couple of top five qualifying efforts this year. And, um, and our teammates knocked a couple of them out of the park, but also doing his group. And we've always Almost we're going to qualify up near the front, have cars that are really fast by themselves. We want to at least try to get one of these poles before the season wrapped up. Daniel Hemrick on winning the pole, that pole speed 178.047 miles per hour. Again, David Reagan second. Ryan Blaney, he qualifies P3. Brad Keselowski fourth. Kyle Larson fifth. And we talked about that qualifying trim versus race trim and, and where that qualifying trim sits. We, we talked to some drivers about that. Matt Benedetto was one of them, and he, he talks about that that qualifying trim. Yeah, here's Matt Benedetto also had the chance to catch up with Joey Logano as well, kind of the, a similar question. Um, so here's what I'd say to Benedetto first, and then Joey Logano. Yeah, so with the rules and stuff the way they are this year, we've talked about it a lot. It's so different. Um, style racing is different. It's different for us. I mean, we surely would never go qualify wide open before uh, this year. But so style racing this year, right on that edge, ragged edge of oh, I can almost hold it wide open in race trim, but I can't quite. So you're right on the edge of needing all that grip, but you also need some speed in your car. Um, so it's a fine line of how like trimmed out you make your car to just flat out go faster. But when you do that, it also takes handling away. So where's the fine line? And it's been a, it's been like the never-ending um, debate this year of what's right and what's wrong. Yeah, I mean, you got to pick one or the other. What do you want to be good at? Do you want to uh, go fast for a lap? Or do you want to be good uh, for all of them? I hope this is the right choice for all of them. But time will tell. Uh, you know, obviously we're probably the uh, outside of the majority, uh, considering where we're at compared to uh, some other cars, but. Uh, we'll see when we get out there. Hopefully uh, she handles great and I can make some aggressive moves, do what I need to do to get up there. I feel confident we will. That was Matt Benedetto and Joey Logano talking about the, the qualifying trim and then versus that race trim and, and how it plays an effect at Kansas Speedway. And I, I think Kansas Speedway for sure, it's one of those where qualifying, you're going to be with this package, full throttle, foot to the floor, 
get around the racetrack as fast as you can. Yeah, I think that was, you know, today was a clear example of that. That first restart is going to be really interesting with kind of the mix of agendas and stuff this weekend and setups. Yeah, and, and you we've seen this before at racetracks where the the cars that qualify well sometimes struggle in the race because they're they're trimmed out, and it, you've got to find that balance between trim out for speed and then having enough downforce as well for good handling and a lot of drivers as well talked about weather but we've got some more of that coming up because weather will play a role today especially during qualifying the sun came out later in the xfinity race and and i think that led to some of those loose conditions we talked about a little bit the the track temperature came up but in qualifying you had a green racetrack because it it rained saturday morning you had Xfinity Series qualifying and Cup Series qualifying. So it was a cool racetrack. It was a green racetrack. So these drivers had tons of grip, and it was just all about who could go fastest. And again, Daniel Hemrick picks up the pole. David Reagan will start second in this one. And we talked about it. it this should have told us the Xfinity race was going to be wild when Daniel Hemrick and David Reagan are your front row. But it's it's an interesting front row ryan blaney he qualified third brad keselowski fourth kyle larson fifth michael mcdowell sixth ryan newman seventh daniel suarez qualified eighth austin dillon ninth bubba wallace will start in the 10th position martin tricks jr 11th jimmy johnson 12th eric amarola 13th chase elliott 14th kurt bush 15th alex bowman 16th matt tift the worst of that that front row racing cars which was surprising to that, that be the, the worst of the three at, at 17th, so a good qualifying effort for that group. Kyle Busch, 18th, Ricky Stenhouse Jr., 19th, Eric Jones in 20th, Clint Boyer, 21st, Paul Menard, 22nd, Denny Hamlin, 23rd, Ty Dillon, 24th, William Byron will start from the 25th position, Chris Busher, 26th, Matt Benedetto 27th, Ryan Priest, 28th, Joey Logano, 29th, Landon Castle will start from the 30th position, Corey LaJoy, 31st, Parker Kligerman, 32nd. Ross Chastain, 33rd. Reed Sorensen, Sorensen, 34th. Garrett Smithley in the 35th position. J.J. Ailey, 36th. Josh Balicki, 37th. Timmy Hill, 38th. Joey Gates, 39th. And then Kevin Harvick will start from position number 40. And I think that's the next big storyline. Harvick did not take time in this one. Yeah, so he, he failed um, pre-qualifying inspection the first time. Uh, the original report, uh, I think it was MRN that even reported it, was that he had failed it three times. When you do that, you're not allowed a qualifying time. Um, that wasn't actually the case. Failed the first time, went through a second time, passed. However, they found something in that car they were not happy with, opted not to make a qualifying run, therefore he'll have to work his way to the back. Um, so it's just a matter of how quickly he can work his way through the field. Uh, I'm sure he's a guy that's going to be praying for some long runs to kind of pick off some positions. Um, definitely, I mean, he could be up to 25th, 28th by the time they get lap one of the books. Yeah, I think Harvick, especially if he gets a couple of restarts. But Harvick, we did have the chance to, to hear from Harvick on what kind of led to not posting that that time in the the qualifying session on saturday you know just a just a number of, of things kind of lined up right there obviously going out on track and having to drive like drag the tunnel was was probably not a good option for a number of reasons um so you know that you know i think we all felt like we had to try to fix it and i don't think anybody thought that we were anywhere close on the toe to, to fail the, the next time or 
today probably would have, would have thought through uh, things a little bit differently. So just a number of things lined up right there that, that, that uh, you know, didn't, didn't exactly go right and wound up in the circumstance that we are. Kevin Harvick on not posting a time in qualifying and, and with, with restarts, I don't think that's going to be much of a forum. Everyone talks about it being difficult to pass sometimes and working through the field, but more often than not, when a, when a driver the caliber of Kevin Harvick has to go through the tail, it does not take that driver long to, to get through the field and become a factor in the race. Yeah, I think he'll he'll end up making his way up there. As long as he doesn't get caught in anything of his own of not of his doing, I think he'll he'll be a contender by the time you know he gets to crunch time. So again, in terms of qualifying, Daniel Hemmer gets his first career pull and will start from that number one position. On Sunday for the Hollywood Casino 400, David Reagan will start second. One of the big talking points this week about this this race has been kind of the, the difference in terms of from the spring to the fall. It's been weather, but it's also been that the teams have had opportunities, more opportunity to, to figure out this package, learn about their race cars, and, and how that will affect the racing. So we were able to talk to some drivers about that. One of them being Kyle Larson. He talked about kind of what what might be the difference we see in the the type of racing we see from the spring to the fall. Yeah, I mean, I think it just depends. You know, there was a lot of cautions late in that race that really made the race, I guess, seem different. Um, so yeah, I mean, if we get long green flag runs, it's going to look different no matter what. Um, but yeah, I, I think it's going to be different with the, the sun being out, and I think it'll be a little bit warmer than it was earlier this year. So um, grip will be a little bit less. Um, but yeah, you know, restarts and things will still be exciting. Kyle Larson talking uh, about kind of a different style of racing we'll see from the, the spring to the fall, kind of letting that weather situation a little bit. But back to the point of the, the teams have had opportunities now. They've been to more mile and a half. They've been to more tracks with this specific package. They've had more time to deal with it. You started this year with a very small notebook and quickly that, that's gotten a lot larger. And now the first time at Kansas that the notebook was small, it's a, a lot bigger now. And, and Jimmy Johnson talked about how that how that having that notebook really didn't use the that the word notebook, but having that that knowledge of what this package does between the, the spring to the fall will, will have an effect on the racing. With the new rules package, the rate in which we learn is just so quick that uh, although it's you know, a few months away, a few months earlier, um, it's, it's changed quite a bit. Um, the evolution of, of us adapting this rules package, um, yeah. you couldn't even show up the same car. Great show. And that was Jimmy Johnson on the, the difference in the racing between the spring and the fall with, with having more knowledge on this package. And, and I think that that's a really important point. One that we haven't heard a lot of this week, but it matters a lot because you know more. You're able to predict a little bit more. There's more predictability in what these cars are going to do based on the conditions of the racetrack, based on where the other cars are on the racetrack. And that's another thing about Kansas, the progressive banking. You're going to have cars all over the racetrack. You saw it in the Xfinity race. Line would start at the bottom, would creep towards the top, and then you had to try to make other lines work. So maneuverability, whether that's a word or not, is debatable. We're going it's, to make it work. It's a word. It's just not a word that's spelled the way you originally spelled it. Yeah, I'm pretty sure when, when uh, we talked to Kyle Larson about that, 
And uh, I think he would spell it better than I did as well. Yeah, I think he would. So let's hear from Mr. Kyle Larson. Yeah, it's just really easy to run the top with these cars now with big spoilers and lots of downforce. So yeah, I think, yeah, with the race being during the day, I think you know, you'll see majority of people up against the wall, but um, I think the good cars will still be able to move around. Larson on maneuverability on the racetrack. And then we would go without mentioning that Kyle Larson did remind Trevor that there is no cushion on uh, an asphalt track that well, exists on a dirt track. Maybe you should remind Chase Briscoe, too, because I wasn't the first one to say it this weekend. And and I think the the importance of that, all kidding aside, is, is it's not cushion because the definition of cushion is, is there's something to actually lean on. But I mean, you could lean on the wall. I just wouldn't recommend it. But there, there is that buffer of air that they've seen where you can kind of find that pocket between the wall where you, you get some air that, that helps the race car handle if you, you get up there on the wall. And, and there's a fine line between going over that and you lose that buffer that holds the car right next to the wall versus hitting the wall if you go over it. So being able to run all over the racetrack, that's going to be important on Sunday. And nobody does that better than Kyle Larson. And he qualified well. So I think on his mind as well, if he thinks he can go out there and win the race, he'll do so to try to keep someone else from making their And it's five more playoff points going into the round of eight for him. So, so a lot on the line for, for Kyle Larson in this one. Again, qualified in the fifth position. And this is where we, we get in, into, I think, one of the bigger talking points of the weekend is the weather. And the reason it's a talking point is because the spring – the, the spring race was so cool. It was a night race, but it was also a below-average temperature day in, in terms of the area. It was, it was a cool night, and there was a ton of grip on the racetrack. This is a day race. You, you look at it going into the week, it was supposed to be a, a lot sunnier, a lot warmer. You look at where, where we're at right now, it is, the sun's kind of gone away, but it's still going to be partly cloudy. And you saw today, it was cloudy in the morning, it broke up, the sun was all over this racetrack. Right now, it looks like a high of six, around 67, so a warmer day, the sun on the racetrack, and that, that plays a, a role in terms of track temperature and how these cars are going to handle. Yeah, I mean, and I thought some of the remarks we heard from people and from how the cars handle with certain temperatures, of those are really interesting. I know Eric Jones was one of them. So let's hear what Eric Jones had to say about setting the car up for the weather. Yeah, I mean, it's going to be a little bit warmer tomorrow than it was in the, in the spring for sure. Just with the uh, little bit of the sun and, and obviously ambience out. So um, I, I think it'll be a little bit different race and you'll, you won't be wide open like we were here in the in the spring race, just you know around the whole track, the whole run. So probably be a little bit tougher to pass at times. I, I think in practice was encouraging. We were able to work through some stuff and get it better, but still going to be kind of challenging at times compared to spring race. Eric Jones talking about the, the spring weather versus the fall weather and how that will affect his race car as well as the racing on track. And we've heard this, a lot of drivers talked about it on Friday. It was a common question in all the different media sessions. Common question today, but it's a valid question. Is it? It's going to play a big role in this race is what does the weather do? And, and drivers still trying to figure out what it does. Because if, it, if it's cloudy and you catch some clouds, it's going to change the balance of these and race cars. We've seen these cars with this package, I think, have handled better on a little bit cooler temps. I mean, 
you know, I know we're talking that it's going to be warmer tomorrow than it was back in May, or I guess by the time this drops this afternoon, I don't know. Um, but it's not like it's going to be 30 degrees warmer. I mean, we're looking in the 60s, um, 65 or so, part of the cloudy. It's not like it's going to be 90. And I don't remember who it was, but it's it's not the ambient temperature that matters. It's the track temperature. And when you have the sun on the racetrack, it, it, it pushes and makes – it jumps and expands the, the difference between the ambient temperature and the track temperature when you have the sun. And, and I think it's a matter of how much sun versus clouds is there tomorrow. We're not really going to know. Does it break up when we get to the afternoon? Does it get sunnier as the race goes on, or is it going to be sunny in the morning and the clouds come later? You know, what happens with the track temperature? I think that the, the more the track temperature is away from the ambient temperature, what it feels like is the, the more handling is going to come into play. You talked about this package. It likes mechanical grip. It races better with mechanical grip, more sun. You lose that mechanical grip. We, we A lot of people, including us, were asking this question to drivers. Drivers getting their answer. I think Kurt Busch gave the best answer to this question. Yeah, he did. Let's hear it. Yeah, we always try to make sure we're formulating track conditions now uh, with, with simulation models on track grip level and, and temperature. And also, like, sometimes we're on sticker tires. Sometimes we're on uh, scuffs. So all that gets put into our equations. And so we try to dial it in for those conditions. And that way, it gives us more information to be able to predict Sunday on what it's going to bring us. So forecasts, you know, are getting more and more accurate, and that's helping us, uh, you know, place the right setup under the car, no matter what conditions we're, we're under. That was Kurt Busch, your science and engineering 101 professor yeah. for the weekend. I I learned something. Hearing that, and, and it got a little bit engineering. It got kind of science, but I understand what he's saying is you're able to take these numbers, these predictive models from the weather, plug them into to your system and get a, a more accurate baseline, a more accurate judgment of what your race car is going to do based on what the expected weather conditions are going to be. And I think you see that out there because so many of these race cars roll off the hauler extremely fast there, there's not a lot of, of situations anymore where drivers you, know, you look at the indycar series or formula one where there's install laps or, or drivers that they go out there and feel out the track it's they go out there and they can put down fast times lap one and where you talk to a lot of drivers and you ask them about the cooler temperatures for saturday's qualifying they're not really worried about it because they're able to create really good baselines for what they have on their weather where instead of if the weather makes a drastic change you're kind of just guessing and throwing changes at it hoping it sticks and you're going to need some time to to get it where it needs to be the baselines have become so much better based on weather conditions and, and kurt was able to, to explain why that is yeah I, I learned some from that kurt bush interview um and I don't know that's something I expect you to learn, but uh, that'll be interesting to keep an eye on. I've never been more interested in weather at a racetrack when it's not going to rain than I, I am going into Kansas. One of the other big points of the weekend has been the talk about restarts. And at Kansas Speedway, we saw that with the Xfinity Series. It's been that way 
you go back to the spring, especially with this package, you can get the weather predicted right. You can get your, your race car perfect. If you struggle on restarts, assuming we get some, because you can go back to last fall, it was one of the calmer races we've had mm-hmm. in Kansas recently. If you get a, a race with more green flag runs, it won't come into play, but you have a lot of restarts. You best be good at them or you're going to lose some positions. And if it comes down to two restarts, the drivers that are best on those short runs will, will have the advantage. Yeah, and we've seen restarts on these mile-and-a-halves get crazy. Um, I know at one point today in the Xfinity race, they went four wide. That could very well happen uh, again. And when that happens, it creates a possibility. Guys make contact, some maybe creates rubs and stuff, and, and something like that could definitely make your day go south in a hurry. And we were able to, a lot of drivers answered questions throughout the, the last couple of days about restarts. And here's one of the answers, Kyle Bush, with, with the statement on restarts. Well, I mean, restarts are always treacherous uh, with this package. Everybody running into one another and giving each other tire rubs and things like that. So that's um, that's the first thing you try to not have happen. And, um, you know, there's not a lot of times that you can, you can prevent that, but uh, you try. And that was Kyle Bush talking about restarts. And if restarts do become a factor, it could be like the Xfinity race where they, they come at the end of the race and they kind of bunch up and you have a lot of them within the, the last 50 laps or so. And, and then they become even more important at that point. Yeah, and more restarts lead to the possibility of having more restarts because the restarts create caution. So <laughs> who knows what to expect. That, that was a really roundabout way of getting to a cliche that cautions yeah. breed cautions. But well, it's 1154 we'll at night. Um, I'm getting sleepy, so you get what you get. But uh, you go in and you talk about late race restarts. You're coming down to the wire. One, one driver in particular, Denny Hamlin, He's in an interesting situation points-wise where he's enough points ahead of that cut line in this round of 12 elimination race that unless things are just disastrous, a driver outside the top top eight wins the race and and he basically crashes out on lap one, he's he's probably at the end of stage one going to lock himself in and and barring catastrophe will be locked in. So... He talked a little bit about for him going for a race win on race win at Kansas on Sunday. Well, you'll always take whatever chance it takes to win. If you ever see any kind of opportunity uh, to win, you'll you'll take whatever chance that that is for sure. Denny Hamlin on going for a win at Kansas Speedway on Sunday, and. It, Crazy came out on Saturday, wild Xfinity race. You look to to, to Sunday for the Hollywood Casino 400. I I look for kind of a similar race, Uh, somewhat calm stage one, somewhat calm calm stage two, and then uh, hold on for stage three. Yeah, there's two different think tanks in this one. There's uh, that one where you say, oh, well, if the Xfinity race was crazy, the cup race is going to be even crazier. It's a cutoff race. Then there's also the, well, you know, the Xfinity race was crazy, which means we could end up with a more calm cup race. I'm not sure which one it's going to be. I'm hoping for the first one. I wonder if there won't be kind of a happy medium. Um, but either way, it should be an exciting day. Round of 12, four drivers are going to be eliminated from the playoffs and have their championship hopes dashed. And 
you look at those playoff standings coming in to this one for the, the Cup Series, and again, Kyle Larson, Ryan Blaney locked into the round of eight. And this is a playoff cut a round of 12 cutoff race for the round of eight. All that remain after this one, Martinsville, Texas, and Phoenix before we get to the championship four at Homestead. So Kyle Larson, Ryan Blaney locked in at the round of eight from their wins from Dover and Talladega. Denny Hamlin, 56 above the cut line. So he's in really good shape. Again, avoid catastrophe. We'll move on. Martin Truex Jr., 48 above the cut line. Kyle Busch, 41. Kevin Harvick is 36 above that cut line. All those drivers in, in good, solid positions. Brad Keselowski, Joey Logano, 20 and 18 above the cut line. Then you look at the four below. Alex Bowman, 18 below. Chase Elliott, 22 below. Clint Boyer, 24. And William Byron, 27. The one thing I look at is all those these tracks for Alex Bowman, Chase Elliott, they've been good. They, they struggled in qualifying, but based on what we've heard today, that might be a good thing when, when you look at some of these drivers. You look at Joey Logano struggled in qualifying as well. might be a good thing that they struggled in qualifying. could mean they have a fast race car. Yeah, it could mean they're set up for a longer run. You're Like Joey Logano said, you have to decide between whether you want to be fast for one lap or all of them. And um, When it comes down to it, it's just one lap. So who knows? The Chevys have been fast lately, and maybe that will continue. And. I think the biggest thing is there's a lot of guessing right now about the what decision between trimmed out or a lot of downforce is going to be the right one. And the hard part about that is a lot of that decision has to be made at the shop. There's only so much you can do at the racetrack to, to help with the trimmed out versus the downforce. So you can make some adjustments in that regard, but not you can't make big ones like you, you could at the shop in terms of, of body tolerance and things like that. And one other thing, maybe the most important thing of the day is is Friday. You, you we'll talked to Clint Boyer about his, his barbecue choices. Kind of followed that up today. I also talked to Jimmy Johnson about his choices in Kansas so, City. My plan wasn't to talk to Jimmy about that. Jimmy brought it up um, in his media availability that he – he liked being in the Kansas City area and at Kansas because there's a lot of really nice places around Legends Plaza. We had the chance tonight to partake in in one of those in Jazz's Louisiana Kitchen. Really good. Um, and I just kind of asked him, you know, what are your go-tos when you go to, to Kansas City? And his first answer was definitely not what I expected. I I expected the answer from Clint Boyer I got last night. I did not expect this answer from Jimmy Johnson. I usually end up in the Sonic over there getting some ice cream at one point or another. The, uh, there's a few, um, I'm trying to remember the names of them. I know where they are. I go to them with my crew guys. Uh, there's this one spot over there with endless beers everywhere. That's, that's a fun spot to hit. So apparently, they must not have Sonics or something in, in North Carolina if that's a, the first thing Jimmy Johnson goes to when he gets to Kansas. Unfortunately, there's 82. And, and two in the Charlotte area? Two in the Charlotte area, so that, that's not an excuse. I mean, if you were in Maryville... They're not a North, sponsor of him, are they? I don't, I don't think know. they are. I don't, I don't think so. I mean, if you're in Maryville, like if this was... If, if it was Maryville Speedway, where Northwest Missouri State is, where, where you and I go to yeah, school... Yeah, Sonic's a, a wonderful choice. Yeah, no, we're not, we're not bashing Sonic by any means. Not... When you can go to so many different other places. The other place he's referring to is the, the yard house. 
there in, in Kansas City. That, that's a guess based on what he's saying, but that, that's the only place in the Legends that you know, has all the, the different selections. Yeah, so uh, there was some some food analysis from Jimmy Johnson. I, I don't think that would have been an approved answer from from Club Boyer. No, <laughs> I um, I can guarantee. Um, so if you heard yesterday, I I asked Clint Boyer if he was, you know, being from Emporia, Kansas, just down the road, coming home, if he was going to consume some Kansas City barbecue. He said he was going to, um, probably all weekend. So I asked him about if he consumed any, what he ordered, and then it kind of took a little bit of a derail. His uh, teammate Daniel Suarez also got involved. Um. This was originally a video interview that was converted into audio, so maybe kind of give some context to, to how some of it will sound. But uh, here's what the always entertaining Clint Boyer, with a little bit of Daniel Suarez, had to say about barbecue. Clint, I've got a follow-up. What barbecue did you have last night? Jack Stack, down in the plaza. It's like the wife on a date. What was your go-to? Uh, what you order? Man, them short ribs are pretty good, buddy. But you gotta have burn ends. You go to Kansas City, you gotta have burn ends. But uh, a couple of them short ribs go a long ways. What's on your agenda for tonight? You see this guy right here, hailing all the way from Mexico. He's going to try and survive. He said he doesn't like barbecue. Look, pan over here. Pan. There you go. Me. That guy oh. says he doesn't like barbecue. Who in the hell doesn't like barbecue? Yeah, but does he like barbecue? So, uh, yes! Everybody likes Mexican food, but everybody likes barbecue Have you better. had his mom's barbecue? <laughs> no, he offered those to me once in the front uh, of the Daytona 500 biggest race of the year, and I opted not to because I, you know, he could have sabotaged me. <laughs> I was bored. New teammates at the time, right? Yeah. He's got, he got to have iron guts to eat some of that stuff, so I know he's got an edge on me. And you know a competitor. Boyer barbecue part two. A beautiful marriage. It's to me. I think for, for Trevor, it's got to be a pretty. I think we've we've got soundbite number like ranking wise, soundbite one and soundbite two. Maybe even three. Maybe, yeah, lots of, of good stuff from Clint Boyer. I think in terms of the NASCAR garage. Uh, for Kansas City-wise, Clint Boyer's the guy to go to in terms of uh, figuring out where the best places to eat are. Yeah, I would think places to eat, maybe even consume an adult beverage. Um, yeah, I think Clint Boyer would be the guy to go to. Maybe in almost any town they go to, but definitely in Kansas City. I, I, I couldn't imagine the amount of barbecue, uh, among other things, Clint Boyer. If he gets the win at Kansas Speedway... I, that that might be the most excited we've ever seen Clint Boyer, and, and he needs one being outside that cut line. That'd be something. What a story that would be. So as we we wrap up here, the Hollywood Casino 400 taking place on Sunday, 1:30 start time on NBC. The round of 12 cut off race. Get the field. The round of eight will be set. That's all we've got here on this special edition number two from Kansas Speedway this this weekend. Monday, 3 to 4 on X106. Also on the TuneIn app, we'll be live from 3 to 4 on X106. Jacob Blair, Trevor Mater to, to break down everything that happens on Sunday. But for now, goodbye and good night. I had to wait for it. I'm glad that's not going to be a thing. I, I think the goodbye is good enough. When we yeah, go yeah, through yeah, I four. might go with it Monday, too. You don't know. Well, Trevor Mater, Jacob Blair, that'll do it for us here on the special edition of The Left Turn.